So Penn State opened up practice once again to the media, and we got to witness what the Nittany Lions are, how they're preparing for the Michigan Wolverines, pretty much status quo, but the big takeaway was Chop Robinson was back and a full participant. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And that is right. You are Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Sako, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions, joined by associate producer for the show, Zane Bransfield, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. So all you got to do is just make a money line bet and your team wins. You get $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Well, we have middle of the week practice as usual, Zane. You took the defense. I took the offense. Quarterbacks look good. Trey Wallace, uh, they they threw a little bit of a curveball at us with two players, not one, but two players wearing the jersey number six. And I, I have a more of an explanation of why Penn State likes to do that. It's not to not to hide injuries, but they they do things to prepare uh, for the upcoming opponent. But we're going to begin with the defense before we move further, folks. Help out the channel. Subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Comment, you know, what you're looking forward to most about this Penn State Michigan game. The biggest matchup, the biggest takeaway is Chop Robinson getting him back. The biggest thing, or is it Trey Wallace? It should Trey Wallace because Penn State's offense hasn't been the same caliber of the defense. You think Wallace missing, if he is going to be missing in Saturday's game, if that's going to have a bigger impact, let us know. Like the episode. All right, Zane, you saw the defense, so we'll start there. Chop Robinson was back. Amin Vanover, I told you to make sure to look out for Amin, and you don't think you could find him on the defensive side of things, but let's begin with Chop Robinson. Your observations on how Chop looked, because it was an injury that took him right out of the game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. We didn't see him at practice for a couple of weeks. He suited up against Maryland, but was on the inactive list. What did you take away from? His, in the 10, 15 minutes, we got to witness these guys out in the practice field. Yeah, I was surprised just, like, first of all, just to see Chop out there. But he was, like, he was fully mm-hmm. active. He was in all the drills. They were working on tackling, working on catching the ball, moving their feet, and just, like, getting ready if they were, like, going in for pressure. Then he was even lining up against Penn State's offensive linemen in full contact. So, like, obviously, we don't know the details of what his injury may have been, but... Whatever that was, he looked fine today, and I thought he looked great, and he was right fine. He was quick. He was moving, mm-hmm. and when he was going against the offensive lineman, you would have no idea he ever missed a game. He looked sharp. He looked just as good as he's been all of the season, and I think it's a great thing that Chop's going to be back because Penn State's going to need every man they can to beat this green team. Oh, yeah, the Chop's impact is huge. Even though the defense, I mean, against Indiana, they didn't look that great. But I don't think it's because they did or didn't have Chop Robinson. Of course, he helps. But there were some other things that they really didn't do right against the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, But 
They definitely didn't miss him against Maryland. And I know personally, Chop probably wanted to play in that game since it was a return, a homecoming to College Park. I mean, he played for that school. He's from that area. He's from the state of Maryland. And he got to suit up. He didn't take, he, he was dressed. He didn't necessarily take, he didn't participate in all of the warmups. But a couple episodes, or I think last week or a few episodes ago, I talked about if you don't need to play Chop Robinson and me and Vanover, don't do it because Indiana and Maryland, you can win those games without those two guys. And they did. They did. Neither of those guys needed to play against those opponents. You could rest them because you need them for Michigan. This is a chance to save your season. Chop Robinson's impact is not only important in the pass rush, but the run defense, especially if man, if Amin Vanover is not going to be out there, if he's, now, anything could happen, right? We're not here to assume that Amin Vanover isn't ready to go or he he's missing, uh, but he wasn't seen at practice from your point of view, Zane. And if he's missing from practice, that would lead to be an indicator that maybe he's not ready for Michigan. But like Robinson, Vanover suited up and, and did and was looked like he was ready to go against Maryland, but ultimately did not play. Chop Robinson gives you both aspects, pass rush and the run defense. Amin Vanover is more of your edge-setting type comparable to a Nick Tarburton that he resets the line of scrimmage. Can Vanover rush the passer? Absolutely. But I would take him more in the run defense than I would as a pass rusher, whereas Chop Robinson can do it all. So if you had to have one of the two back, the obvious choice here is Chop Robinson. I think the other big thing with Chop too is his leadership because like mm -hmm. he can get that defense going, whatever they need, bring in the energy as you can always see on TV or at the games, he's always jumping yeah. up and down, getting yeah. the guys going. He's bringing the energy. So I think that's honestly going to be the biggest thing is because Penn State, if they get down against Michigan, they're going to need to be able to bring the energy. And the defense is probably going to be on the field a decent amount just from what we've seen all season. So to have that extra depth guy of having chop and whether it means there or not, just have one extra guy is going to be huge for the Nittany Lions. Well, it's not only the one, like, like you said, the depth, that's important. Of course, and James Franklin commented on that, saying that Penn State's front depth in the front seven is huge. But you're not only getting just one guy back, you're getting the guy back. Chap Robinson, I would argue, is the best player on this Penn State defense. And that goes along with Kalen King. That goes along with Abdul Carter. I think Abdul Carter's a close second. But what we've seen this year is that Robinson is your best all-around player. And he, it's going to show in next year's NFL draft. I mean, Robinson has the size has the speed. He can play any technique. We've seen Manny Diaz line him up over the center for crying out loud. And he's a defensive end. He's an edge rusher. Yet Manny Diaz says, uh, no, we like him in passing situation, in one-on-one -on -one obvious passing downs against the interior of the offensive line. So that shows a lot. That shows a lot about Chop Robinson. And you can't you, try replicating that. You, you need that for a Michigan team that has the Best offensive line running for the past two seasons. J.J. McCarthy, who is not a running quarterback, but he's a dual threat. He's mobile, so he's going to work his way outside of the pocket. And Chop Robinson, whether you line him, up, line him up on the interior, outside of the edge, Chop Robinson's speed, and that, along with like guys like Abdul Carter, are, are going to be needed to help track down McCarthy if he gets a little curious and tries to move outside of the pocket into the danger zone, right? I agree with that. Chop Robinson, he's like a very hybrid player. He, you can put him anywhere and he's going to be a good player. So me and Vanover, the jury's still out on him. 
You just didn't see him. Maybe he was getting a drink of water. Water. Maybe he was seen by trainers. I. It. it we'll have to wait until Saturday to get an official report. But he was not there. Uh, neither was Trey Wallace. And, and Trey Wallace, I think, is an interesting case because James Franklin didn't rule him out for the season. But Penn State also. <laughs> Had not one, but two players wearing the number six jersey. So that got a little confusing. I had to do some some double takes to make sure that it wasn't Trey Wallace. But we did get a little bit of confirmation that he was not on the practice field. We're going to discuss the impact of that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Simple as that. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including the pros and the sharks, you pick more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection and watch those winnings roll in. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You make your picks and you can submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy game plan, and an enormous selection of players and stat types or what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And this is an amazing feature with the Prize Picks reboot policy. Your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games, college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is then rebooted. How about that? Injury insurance. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. So now what do you got to do? You got to go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepicks.com slash college. Use that code college for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And the Locked On Podcast Network amps up college football coverage like you've never seen it before with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern time to preview the weekend's slate of games. So they're going to be talking Penn State, Michigan, all the big contests. And there's a lot of close ones for this weekend's slate of college football. We're getting down to it. Uh, People are saying there's going to be a lot of one-loss teams. Well, that discussion is going to be opened up on Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Again, live across all of the Locked On College YouTube channels, 11 a.m. Eastern time, including Locked On Nittany Lions. Let's get back to it, Zane. Trey Wallace is still missing, and Penn State certainly threw a curveball watching the offense. I'm like, well, that doesn't look like him. This player seems to be a little bit shorter. Trey Wallace is over six feet tall, a bigger build since he's a veteran wide receiver. I was like, that guy doesn't look like him. And then I saw another player wearing the number six running around, and I said, okay, now now I'm a little confused. And then seeing both of them in the same line of eyesight, I said, one of them's got to be Trey Wallace, right? And then you just kind of ask around, you ask your peers, and and you confirm that, no, Wallace was not at practice. And then you realize, you just kind of look a little closely, and you say, okay, yeah, 
that that's what happened there. So Trey Wallace is not at practice again. Again, sustained an upper body injury. Don't know if it's a shoulder, collarbone. You can't. You can only speculate so much. He left the Indiana Hoosiers game after you know going to the ground very tough, roughly. Right, he landed on the ground pretty hard. Went immediately to the locker room and came back wearing an arm sling. So since then, we haven't really seen him. James Franklin says that he's not out for the season, but once again, he is missing from practice for the brief viewing session that we can see as media members. Uh, The impact here is that Dante Cephas, the responsibility falls on him again, and I know that he stepped up against Maryland. Maryland's secondary has shown that they are not that good this season, and we know that it's not a lack of talent. Dante Cephas' problem hasn't been talent. That's why he came to Penn State and why he was all Mac when he was at Kent State. It's been the learning curve. And I feel like at this point in the season, that's not an excuse anymore. He came in late. He transferred in a little late, right? He came over the summer. It wasn't in Malik McLean's case who came in in the winter set, the spring session starting in January, came in over the summer. You got to learn a playbook. You got to develop chemistry with your quarterback, your fellow wide receivers. You got to learn a much, much more complicated Mike Yersich offense as opposed to what they ran with the golden flashes, and then to go along with the speed and the physicality of the Big Ten Conference and not the MAC. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to Maction. Zane, Maction season is upon us. Tuesday night Maction, besides the point. Uh, Trey Wallace, I don't, I can't confirm or deny that he's going to be out inactive against Michigan because I could see a scenario where it's, if he's good enough to play, Maybe you have him for emergency purposes, but as we've seen, James Franklin is not pushing any of his players that are banged up and that are not 100%. Even if you're 95%, they are not playing you, but I wonder if it's an exception against Michigan. If Wallace is 80 to 90% healthy, could we see him against Michigan in some select spots? Well, like rightfully so, I understand why Franklin does push his guys and get them hurt. Like that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's going to push Wallace because of what Dante Sivas has done last week and the week before. Because mm-hmm. despite him not hitting like 100 yards, his routes have looked good. He's shown his athleticism that we've known. And yeah. obviously, Keandre Lambert-Smith is still wide receiver one. So you just need mm-hmm. somebody to pick up a little bit of that load so Keandre's not like having to try and go catch like 200 yards. <laughs> and yeah, the run game and stuff too, but having just like that insurance of like Dante Sivas to be another threat at wide receiver besides like just the tight ends or Lambert Smith. So I don't think they push Wallace. I think Wallace will stay on the sideline, even if he is, like you said, like 80, 20. And I think Penn State's just going to try and push it with what they have against Michigan. Cause the win and Wallace were to have played, they don't want him to be hurt and then like get more hurt before going like the college football playoffs. Like, that's like the worst case scenario for them. So they'd rather sit him just for this game against Michigan, hope they can push through it and get him back as soon as possible. And also for next season as well, you don't want to make the injury worse. Well, in a hypothetical world, you could have all of Keandre Lambert Smith, Trey Wallace and Dante Cephas back next season, which would be good for Drew Aller in his second year of starting <laughs> to go along with Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen. Like next year's offense could be really good, but we're concerned about Penn State and Michigan for this upcoming Saturday. Wallace not being 100% is a big deal because I don't like the matchup between Will Johnson and Keandre Lambert-Smith. I imagine that Michigan is going to use Will Johnson. Uh, It's 
strategically against KLS. KLS is your number one wide receiver at Penn State. Will Johnson's your number one cornerback for Michigan. Oh, look at that. It makes sense. But Will Johnson is a really good cornerback. And Keandre Lambert-Smith has shown that he can be a number one against West Virginia, against the likes of Maryland. But what about Ohio State? And and I know that he was the leading receiver against the Buckeyes, but it was a number one is supposed to be able to make those big plays when you need it most. He bailed him out against Indiana, okay? But I hope that is not Keandre Lambert-Smith's ceiling. But that's what it seems to be. So this is another big test for Keandre Lambert-Smith and why I bring in Dante Cephas, because the pressure is on KLS to go up against Michigan's number one cornerback and try to be a difference maker. And Dante Cephas, the way that he was used against Maryland, I find a little bit interesting, Zane. Maryland's defense, like I said, is not good against the pass, but it was very, uh, Drew Aller trusted him in the red zone. I was surprised about that because Dante Cephas comes over from Kent State as a big play, like a true big play, like I'm talking 40 yards plus, deep down the field type of wide receiver. He has the speed to stretch the defense. So are we assuming that Penn State's keeping things under wraps and trying to conceal what they can do with Dante Cephas? Or is that how they're going to use him? I think in a game like Michigan, you got to try to get creative and use Cephas to stretch the field because he has the speed to do it. And obviously we know Cephas has the speed but Franklin's talked before that he can put any of his receivers at anywhere, whether that's the X, the Y, or the Z. And yep. so I wouldn't be surprised if we see Lambert Smith run in the field or Cephas or even that third guy, whoever that may be, McLean or Clifford. We'll see. Yeah. And But I think Penn State is going to – like I think they'll figure it out. They'll put the right guy at the right spot. As Lambert Smith was talking today, they have a game plan for each opponent. And obviously – Penn State's going to be looking very closely at this Michigan defense and seeing how they can best penetrate against them. So I won't be surprised if they decide to stretch the field. As we've started to see more and more in the last couple of weeks, especially after that career-changing interception for Drew Aller, who's decided to, he's just going to sling the ball more. I think it definitely took a little bit of pressure off of him, right? Uh, I, I hope it's career altering because it seemed like Drew Aller was very was limiting himself almost with his decision making. But I, I think that's a good point that the 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 type of play that we're seeing from Drew Aller is very different. But it's easy to do that against Maryland. Uh, what we're finding out, especially when Mar- Maryland's got a good run defense, and, and Katron Allen had a good game. Uh, Nicholas Singleton did not. I don't I don't know what's going on there. I think Penn State's got to find a way to scheme him a little better. But like you said, Drew Aller definitely looks like a changed quarterback from that interception, right? He threw it downfield and hits Keandre Lambert-Smith for a, a 70-plus yard touchdown, right? And then took some, even though they didn't connect, he was still a little more willing to throw the ball deep downfield to Keandre Lambert-Smith trusted Dante Cephas in the red zone, threw it into triple coverage, right? Maryland had that play defended, and he threw an absolute rocket to Tyler Warren in the corner of the end zone, and I got the perfect view because that's where I was sitting for that spot. So to see Tyler Warren catch it, it's like, whoa, you blinked and you missed that throw. Somehow Warren ended up with the football, and I had my eyes shut for 0.5 seconds. But we know what Drew Aller can do, but we also know we understand the reality of it too. He is a conservative, at least right now, he's a conservative quarterback. 20 touchdowns and one interception, no fumbles. Drew Aller has only turned the ball over one time. It was against that Indiana team. And I I just can't 
I can't be led to believe that Drew Aller is going to completely change his game. Is he going to take a few? So instead of taking one risk a game, will he take two or three? Yeah, but is he going to become this this wild quarterback that's going to throw all of these 50-50 passes? Probably not, and it showed. He took a few more risks against Maryland. He didn't take like 10, 12, 15, 50-50 passes and just threw it up there, right? He still took the checkdowns. He still took the safe passes. He knew where his safety outlets were. He He's still not throwing the risky passes at this point, and I don't think that's going to change against a Michigan defense. Who will make you pay if you make the wrong decision like that? That's a very good point because Michigan's defense is arguably still one of the top defenses in the nation, just like they, Penn State's they are. is. They, they are and, the top. Analytically, Michigan's defense is, and Penn State is number two or three, depending on what rankings you look at. Yeah, so with that being said, they're obviously the best defense that Penn State's going to go up against all year. So it's yeah. going to be a matter of is Drew Aller, how conservative is Mike Yurcich in his play calling? Mm-hmm. Is he going to want to throw the ball deep or just do quick slants like they've tried to do all year? Yeah. Other like small opponents, and even then it sometimes it didn't work. but. I think this offense is going to change up its schemes a little bit just because they know Michigan's going to be harping for the ball. They play aggressive every play. So getting like a guy like Dante Sivas, who's now learning the plays and having his quick twitchy athleticism is going to be big because that'll take more coverage to put on him and less off Lambert Smith. So one of them is bound to be open at least a couple times throughout the night, like throughout the game on Saturday. And so I think Penn State, knows what they're doing. Like like you said before, not showing as much of what Cephas is capable of because we've seen in practice and how fast you can get down the field against something that Penn State is definitely planning to use against Michigan. We still have some more observations. Seeing the offense, J.B. Nelson and Caden Wallace looked like they were practicing without any restrictions. Khalil Dinkins, Andrew Raplia. We also got some comments since this is a live show that we're going to discuss. Before we get to all of that, let's hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. You can still score in this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team simply wins. That's all they got to do is win any money line bet. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. Right now, Penn State is still that five-and-a-half-point underdog with a total set at about 44-and-a-half. If you like those lines, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off college football, kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And another sponsor on today's episode. People who were joined the show live can see it in the background for my audio listeners. I'm going to do a great job describing it to you. That is a one-of-a-kind team ticker sign. And I am so grateful to Team Ticker for sending me one because it, it's the coolest sign. And you can see it in the background here. Whether it's football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, soccer, softball, Team Ticker has you covered. Never miss a game again as the high-tech retro display provides a countdown to the next big game, as well as the daily updates on the latest team news, stats, schedules, standings, rankings, and so much more. Now, how do you set it up? Well, it's easy to hang on the wall, first of all. 
But then you have the mobile app because how does it get all of these daily updates? The mobile app connects it to the internet and then it becomes a, a smart sign and is able to filter all of those updates so that you are able to stay up to date. Each sign is officially licensed, meaning high quality standards and is assembled by hand and the United States team ticker is the ultimate upgrade to your Nittany Lion sports collection. And once you hang it on your wall, it's going to be the talk of all your fellow Penn State fans. If you're looking for that one eye-catching item to showcase your team pride or a gift for that special Nittany Lions fan holiday season, Christmas is coming up. Go to teamticker.com and pick up your team ticker sign today. Show your fandom, show your Penn State pride. Team ticker is that one-of-a-kind sports sign, teamticker.com. And in this final segment, let's discuss the ultimate impact here. The other observations, just some some quick things, right? Some housekeeping things. Uh, offensive line, I'm impressed with the offensive line depth. Really, I, I know some guys have some bumps and bruises, right? We've seen Caden Wallace go out of a game. We've seen J.B. Nelson be carted off, but he's back, right? He's been practicing, and he played in full, and he's looked really good. Like The PFF grades, the pro football focus grades, whatever your opinion is of it, I think it's something to measure a football player's performance. And his grades are really high, so I'm not going to complain here. But J.B. Nelson has not missed a step. Caden Wallace has actually – everyone talks trash about Caden Wallace, but I think now as a veteran, this has been his best season to date. He's been a really good pass blocker. But Penn State's depth, for Vanga Yuane to come in at any point in time, play right guard, left guard, to give guys a breather, to be able to come in and start, and Penn State's offensive line doesn't have a significant drop-off. And then Drew Shelton to be able to play anywhere if Olu Fashionu needs a break. If you got to go over to the right side because Caden Wallace isn't available. Like Penn State finally has these things that they didn't have for the past five, ten years. Scholarship limitations, I get that. But even still, the offensive line depth wasn't there. Bill Troutwine and James Franklin have done a really good job carving out a niche to compete in the Big Ten. And it's and it's funny, it's ironic that Penn State always tried to match up more so to Ohio State. And clearly that didn't work this year. But I would say that they're a little more identical to Michigan and the way that Jim Harbaugh likes to run things. Penn State is a run-first team. They want to grind you down. They want to be able to tire out your defense play ball control, win the time of possession, the physicality battle, and use an elite defense to go along with it. Well, who does that sound like? That sounds exactly like Michigan. And Ohio State has shifted a little bit. Jim Knowles has put together a better defense. But when they had C.J. Stroud, when they had Justin Fields, they wanted to outscore you. They wanted to push the tempo. Maybe a change of quarterback has kind of changed that mentality for the Buckeyes. They seemed a little bit different in, in this game. They're, play, they're just playing better defense. But Penn State's style matches Michigan a lot more than the, the high-flying types of Ohio State offenses we have seen. Khalil Dinkins, Andrew Rapplia were, were at practice as well. Uh, so that's good because Mike Yersich showed against Ohio State, he would rather not call the T formation than put a Jerry Cross in the game. And I, and I find that like puzzling, right? I kind of scratch my head at that. That makes me concerned about the tight end depth because you need three trusted tight ends. So that means if Theo Johnson, knock on wood, this is a wooden desk, Zane. If Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren end up getting banged up, so Khalil Dinkins and Andrew Rapley are important, but Penn State shows that they would rather not run one of their best formations in the T formation if any one of those tight ends is not available. And, and that's concerning because they didn't do it against Ohio State, and they probably wouldn't do it against Michigan, but fortunately, 
all of those guys are healthy, they're active, and they're going to be ready to go against the Wolverines. Yeah, it's definitely good. We got that the healthy guys, and you mentioned how Penn mm-hmm. State likes to like run and stuff. And a lot of times we've seen this season is Catron's Allen is having a much better season than Nick mm-hmm. Singleton. And yeah. like we have some different comments who are talking about like just play Catron Allen like the whole game, and I agree because like if you maybe put Nick Singleton in a couple snaps or whatever, if he gets going, that's fine. Let him keep going. But this season he's been slow, and he hasn't been. The look, so I have no problem seeing Katron Allen try to rush through and tire out this Michigan defense and hopefully take some pressure off of the Penn State wide receivers and passing game in general. Yeah, I think that's the idea that we should finish this this show up with. Uh, we have a comment from Joel who says, forget the two running back system for this game. Ride the fat man for four quarters. I, I know that you've taken Joel's side. I, I still disagree. Nicholas Singleton, nothing is wrong with him from an athletic standpoint, but he's, he's missing gaps. I think there's something there's, he's truly experiencing the sophomore slump. So what do you have to do to overcome that? You got to build his confidence up. I I feel and Singleton would never, and the coaching staff would never say, well, uh, uh, Singleton is, is definitely down on the dumps from not having the big play. We saw with the kickoff return against Maryland, that that big playability is still there. He is your most athletic player on offense. Why aren't you just giving him the football in space? You mean to tell me you can't design more plays? Jet sweeps, motion him out to wide receiver, put him in the slot, get him moving, put him in motion. He is not a static running back. Whereas Katron Allen is. Katron Allen, I want him in between the tackles, running over defenders, carrying four or five players with him to the first down marker. That is the style of Katron Allen. For Nicholas Singleton, there is no excuse why he should be running in between the tackles, at least at this point, until he gets his vision right. Because when you watch the offense, who's taking all of the first reps? It's Nicholas Singleton and then Katron Allen. I still believe that Penn State sees Singleton as the 1A and Allen as the 1B just based on what we see for because that's the case every single week. It's Singleton Allen, Singleton Allen, Singleton Allen. Allen's performed better on Saturdays, which is, of course, what matters most. But Mike Yersich has got to do something. Get Singleton outside of the numbers. Put him over there. Get him a bubble screen. Get him in motion. Throw him a simple swing route. I don't care. Get him the ball in space. Get him matched up on a linebacker. You mean what? What Michigan linebacker can cover Singleton when it's one on one? Nobody. <laughs> Good luck. Find me anybody in the Big Ten. Find me. I, I won't go as far as college football because there are some athletic linebackers. But in the Big Ten. There's not a single linebacker one-on-one that would be able to defend Nicholas Singleton in that kind of matchup in a quick passing game. Yeah, and I, I sense like Singleton definitely is more athletic. We know that. And I think he's still mm-hmm. very capable. But it's just the way that Penn State's offense is using him. They're trying to run him like they run Catron Allen. He's not the same kind of running back. And like you said, they need to find ways to get him space. And I think that'll be mm-hmm. the determining factor on how he finishes his this season and also his Penn State career in general is figure out how they can utilize him the best to his play style and not trying to change his play style. And I think that'll be a big factor even this Saturday, depending on whether he gets going or if they stick with Catron Allen the whole game. I don't they definitely won't stick with one running back because it's a matter of of usage. They want both of those guys to be ready to go in the fourth quarter. And James Franklin has said that. So they're not going to tire out one running back. So an actual expectation of them fully committing to one or the other, 
is not going to happen. We have a comment from Kevin, and Kevin says, Catron Allen should start and get more reps, but Nick Singleton still always has the home run ability, and you have to keep the, the, the cheaters off balance, allegedly, because we don't want the show to get in trouble. We hope you understand that. I, I think the tight ends could have the day, could have a day. And let's hope so. Drew Aller uh, definitely trusts Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, Khalil Dinkins, all, all of them. So I think that's a good point, especially since Michigan secondary uh, is good. I don't think Keandre Lambert-Smith will be shut down, but missing out on Trey Wallace, if we anticipate that he's probably not going to play, uh, just guessing, right? Or he at least won't be 100%. He's not going to play 100% of snaps at the very minimum. Keandre Lambert-Smith is probably going to lose more battles than he wins against a guy like Will Johnson if those two mirror each other for the entire game. Uh, Joel with another comment, using Katron Allen early and often would open up jet suites with the wide receivers. Why not do it with Singleton, right? I, I think Singleton is more athletic than the wide receivers. It, it's a matter of trusting his hands because Singleton is not the best pass catcher. But I think if you just throw him a simple dump pass, not like Drew Aller's throwing him a fade route in the corner of the end zone or a streak pass 50 yards down the field. Just dump it off to him. Just pit, pitch it to him. Don't make it complicated. And Eli says, I hope we see more of the bow package. I think it could do a lot of good. Zane, what are your thoughts on the bow Prabula package? Because we saw him and Drew Aller on the field at the same time uh, against Michigan. Or against I Maryland, like the package. Probably. And I think, it, I think it does good for the Penn State offense, especially because mm-hmm. Bo Prabola is a quarterback, DJ McCarthy, than Drew Aller is in that, mm-hmm. that sense. And so I think just putting them both out there, it's going to totally throw Michigan off because they're not going to expect, like, obviously they've seen it once. They saw it happen last yep. week. And so yep. they're going to be watching that on a film on how to stop it. But it's going to be hard to stop because the only option we've seen was the fact of Drew pitching the ball. So, like, what happens if Bo Prabola is ball? That game in an entirely new sense and it's something yeah. Penn State fans should be looking forward to and it's something I definitely think Franklin may try if they're down in the red zone again or even somewhere else if we're trying to get a first down it will be interesting to see I actually err on the side of caution here I don't think Penn State's going to run it because it did not look polished against Maryland and if this play coaches have admitted this uh, James Franklin and anybody else in the game of football if it is not, especially in college and the pros, maybe you can get away with it in high school, but still, if it's not 100%, if it is not perfect, you do not run it. And watching it against Maryland in person, I did not get the sense that it was perfect. They felt it was perfect enough to run against the Terrapins, maybe leading up through practice, but in the game where it matters the most, I, I didn't get that sense. I got to feel that, well, it's it gets a maybe a C plus. It, it, it worked. It scored a touchdown, right? But against Michigan, they will make you pay if you try to get fancy and make and make mistakes out of those kinds of fancy plays. So, Zane, I'm glad we could do this show. I appreciate everyone's comments. Let me know still in the comments what you think about this Penn State-Michigan game. Getting Chop Robinson back is huge. Like the episode. If you haven't already, become an everydayer. Subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lines on YouTube wherever you get your podcasts, and we will have more Penn State football and men's basketball and wrestling and men's hockey content coming up very soon as all the sports are active here. This is your place to get all of it for Penn State Athletics. Locked on Nittany Lions.